book record beer beer record book where are we we are in season (laughs) five episode seven put on your helmets strap on those seatbelts, and buckle up because uh this is going to be an interesting ride a nick gregorio cast and speaking of which i am joined by the one and only today say hello mr nick hi everybody it's good to be back seeing you guys and talking to you guys out there (laughs) in radio land and of course we are joined as well by our good buddy daniel defranco say hello it seems like it's been so long it actually does it seems like it's been a very very long time and i don't know if that's a reference to the book or not but i'm going to jump in and say what it is that we are doing today this is a gregorio cast he has chosen for us famous men who never lived by k chess as well Couple in that with uh, the 2012 album by P.O.S. Uh, we don't even live here, guy. I added the guy. Um, <laughs> and then uh, what? What was the brew, my friend? Um, we are drinking a Belgian triple. Um, I'm drinking it from Workhorse, and I believe you guys have a different Belgian triple. A golden drock. We have the golden drock from the motherland. Dark red triple, yeah. So uh, this is going to be interesting. Gregorio, are you actually are you are you scared that someone from the Chamonix is going to come around and bust your kneecaps? <laughs> <laughs> no, man. Workhorse is home base, baby. Oh, that's the home base. Yeah. Workhorse is the home base. Yeah, that's super. That's like equidistant from us, I think, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. a solid spot. Oh, I love it. And they, um, they, I'm there so much they give me free shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking wonderful. Yeah. yeah. And and yeah, uh, Nishami has, has has great beers, but you certainly don't want to mess with Croydon, my friend. No, and it, and it's not <laughs> nearly as nice of a place to sit in a parking lot. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, absolutely. Because once again, it's located in Croydon, right? Um, <laughs> which which, by all intents and purposes, is just concrete and sadness. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yikes. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. So, uh, let's, let's jump in here before, before we do to give you a little bit of a, um, I guess a sense of the, the story we're about to, uh, indulge you with ourselves with anyway, uh, I'm going to introduce these cats as stories that leave us with more questions than answers. Um, I think it's appropriate. I think it's, it's 100% this uh novel that is fitting so uh daniel i um am gonna i would introduce daniel if i was to introduce him as a a story that leaves us with more questions than answers as kelly links uh a seminal short story stone animals um i uh i give that to the freshman every year I don't know if you're familiar with Miss Link. It's a pretty famous story by this point, I think. Familiar with her, not that story. So uh, that's the one where it ends with the husband uh, suddenly being like shrunken and on top of a rabbit riding it into battle. Um, that sounds fun. Yeah. Uh, my, I give it to the freshman every year, and they have all these wild theories, uh, one of them being that the um, husband has been dead the entire time because he passed away in 9-11, another New York story. They leave New York for the suburbs. Um, but there are various things that are haunted. The mother's breasts are haunted. The microwave's haunted at one point. But there's numerous, numerous ways to interpret it. 
which is why I give it to the freshmen because their minds are a little blown. And then when we talk about it, their minds get more blown, but the more they know, the more they get blown. Um, so it's, it's great. And a bunch of students this year had an, a really interesting, I, they might, I don't know if they looked it up or what, but they were, they were, had this really sort of like complex theory of him being dead the entire time in nine 11. Cause the timelines of when the story was published lined up with the event hmm. and you know, they're freshmen. So they were, they were born well after nine 11. Um, so yeah. their whole concept of that is much like ours with um, Pearl Harbor. Right. You know. Should we just talk about that story for this cast? All right, or, all right, um... all right, all right. In any case, Nick, <laughs> you I would introduce as uh, a story that leaves us with more questions than answers. Uh, Chuck Palnick's rant nice. would be yours. I think for, for very obvious reasons, but not the least of which being that uh, it deals with you know, uh, space time and these various things that uh, are also present in this novel. I also know you love Chuck. Yes, and sir. of all his books, that's my favorite. It's mine too. Um, Absolutely. Oh, is it really? No kidding. Yeah, I, I, I waffle back and forth between that and choke. And, and I because of time travel, I probably think Rant gets the, the lead. So that and Invisible Monsters are the two that I go back and forth nice. on. The only, um, but, I think it's choke mostly because it might be his only book that ends with hope. <laughs> right, which freaks me out, yeah. given that it's him. And that's why I think it's actually leaving me with more questions <laughs> yeah, than answers. Because right. I'm not yeah. sure that hope is his, uh, his uh, I guess, brand, yeah. Um, yeah. if you will. So, yeah. So, Nick Mahalik, if I was introduced to you as a book that leaves us with um, more questions than answers or a story, uh, I would introduce you as the Bible. And <laughs> the reason is well played. Um, you contain a lot of wisdom, uh, but you're also full of shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you know, uh, accurate. You you when you when you skip a couple of haircuts, uh, you you look like uh like Moses. I got very. That's how Moses. I imagine he would. So to piggyback off of my own thing, if if you were a specific book of the Bible, you would obviously be Deuteronomy. Oh, of course, <laughs> dude. The fact that you chose that, I I need to digress for a second. If we need to cut, we could cut it. When I worked at the supermarket, I was the announcement dude, and late night. When very, very few customers were there, I would get on randomly. I'd go, hello. One dude must always be duding to another dude, lest the dude no longer hold his good dudum. This has been a reading from the book of Deuteronomy. And I would do oh, that. That was, uh, that was Deuterocanonical. I would do that kind of stuff all the time. I would do readings from the book of Deuteronomy and just intersplice the word dude in all the different ways I could. Yeah. Um, that's hilarious. That's good stuff, man. Yeah, well done. Yeah. Well, awesome choice. All right. Let's jump in here. Um, so, again, uh, Gregorio cast famous men who never lived. Yes, sir. Um, brief uh, overview of this, I would say, is very simply that we have uh, two timelines of our world. Um, parallel Earths. Parallel Earths. One. Uh, has culminated in nuclear war, necessitating about 156 or so thousand refugees, I would call them, yep. to cross over to our timeline and are now uh, viewed essentially as uh, immigrants, aliens, 
what have you, um, and are trying to um, assimilate because this is very familiar and also very foreign simultaneously. Uh, They're in New York, classic immigrant tale, and they also are in this strange situation where some people that were alive in their timeline also lived in ours, but only for brief periods of time. And essentially, it centers around our main character, uh, Hell. Is that? Yep. Yeah. Hell. That's how I've been saying. It. Yeah. Um, uh, kind of ob- obsessively looking at one person in particular who was essentially like the um, uh, science fiction originator. It's like, the, like Ray, yeah, Ray Bradbury of their world. Yeah. Maybe. Yes. So like the Ray Bradbury of their world. Uh, his death in our world, she argues in the beginning, right? This the first few chapters. Yep. Starts to argue that perhaps, while it may not be the cause of the split, has a significant has a significance uh, to the, the split of these timelines. Yeah, right, because yeah, they just, deviate in what? Like the, the 19-teens? 1909, 1909 is where they... Yes, 1909. Yeah, and uh, Hell thinks very much that it has to do with Ezra Slate or Slate. Yes. Yeah, and just to be more um, clean about that is Ezra Slate dies as like a kid. Yep. 11-year-old, I think. It, yeah, in the... In our timeline, yes, prime timeline. Yeah. In the alternate universe, he did not die. Yep. He became this, um, you know, the science fiction this, writer. This right. Great of literature. Yeah. Yes. But and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but he's not the only one Mm-mm. that that happens to. Correct. Right. Correct. But she 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 kind of pinpoints it to him because he's closest to what they argue is the 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 point of the split. Right. Right. Yep. Okay. And so it's, it begins with her going to his home in our timeline, which is where the story takes place, uh, and 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 thinking about um, turning it into a museum for all these famous men who never lived, yep. um, because uh, she is really having trouble with with acclimating and and knowing both. Um, she was a doctor in her timeline, and you know at this point is not um, choosing to pursue that profession. Yeah. Uh, in ours and I'll leave it there because I, I think that's a is that a pretty good <laughs> that, intro that's absolutely perfect it's already a, a fairly difficult thing to describe and I think you did it very nicely thank you yeah it's and it's a fantastic premise for yeah, a book 100 yes so the reason I said it was somewhat ironic earlier is because I'm uh, writing something kind of similar but it's a dude who's uh, who's essentially adventuring in his other timelines yeah. Nice. Uh, and, he, and he finds a way to, to, to sort of do that. Um, it's the dude duding. The dude in the- be duding in various dudes' timelines. <laughs> um, and, but so, so seeing this, I was like, oh, wow, this is, this is something that um, can be done in various ways. Because like, yeah. like the, the concept is so abstract to begin with. Yep. You know, there's really no concreteness to it in terms of science uh, and provable theory. So we have really just abstract theory right yep. surrounding this unless I, i'm not caught up on my <laughs> your <laughs> uh, quantum <laughs> physics yeah <laughs> um well I, I mean it's 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 not uh a ridiculous concept it's just one that mathematically works but practically doesn't <laughs> right <laughs> exactly um, yeah so, so that, that was why i was like i was kind of blown away i was like oh wow this is um this is really fascinating to 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 really be 
I'm actually really in it in my mind right now. And then to see it sort of playing out in this way was, was pretty fascinating. The way they chose to have the characters engage and give you what we just described as the background information, the premise for the story yeah. is because it, it is complex and it is strange yeah. and it is tough to really, how do you make these rules? And I think of that, KHS does a, a, a quite a good job mm -hmm. of, of establishing these are the rules yes. for the for this world and this story and 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 I really felt like I had a good handle on it pretty early on, which isn't always the case um, with this kind of stuff. See, I felt um, actually confused early on. I wasn't sure which timeline was which. It took me really? okay. about a third of the book to really finally, maybe a little less, maybe about a quarter, before I felt pretty grounded. So gotcha. one of the things that's interesting about about the book that I that um, I read all the negative Goodreads reviews just to um, for fuel I guess <laughs> um, um, people commented on that that um, that she didn't do it well um, really? and I I think I have to disagree with that I, I feel like introducing all of these alternate um, timelines and just the number uh, of characters yeah. that she's sort of holding on to, she being hell, um, is, is pretty interesting to me to, to keep them straight and me to see the name pop up again and remember it. Yeah, so KHS is ping-ponging all over the place. And for me, I, I thought that is... Uh, I actually like this book. I know from our from from the Goodreads reviews and, and from our, our talks before this, I might be... The minority here. I might be the displaced person of this cast. <laughs> you know? um, I, I, I'm actually with you, man. Um, it, it, for a number of respects, not not all of them, but we can talk about it. Yeah. So, so what I thought was was really well done, and this is story aside, um, because the writing is often clunky. It's like she's going along, and then it's like your editor let that line go through. Whatever. Um, we all we all have those in our stories. It, it happens. Um, but the point of view shifts, and actually, I'm going to just start with this one question for you. It's it's a little a little bit of a of an easy question. There was a character named Persephone early on, and then within the same paragraph, K. Chess just calls that character Seth, spelled different, S. E. F. F. And it took me a minute. I was like, wait, who the fuck is Seth? <laughs> Is there like a brosif in here? And just yeah, like and and I'm wondering if that's the first time I, I can recall just such bold name change within a paragraph of a character, and she does that a lot in other regards, which I think maybe is why a lot of people were negative. Um, how did you guys handle that, just this boldness of storytelling? Is it a trick? Is it because she's a shitty writer, or is it on purpose? You know, I, I, I just, I, I was drawn to that, uh, <clears throat> the abruptness of just here's the story, keep up. Um, so <laughs> I think um, the intention was to get into these essentially refugees' heads as 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 quickly and uh, intimately as possible. I think that's why there is a, a ton of weird sex um, in weird places. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, it, there's a closeness here. I mean, the, the oh, character's yeah. name isn't just Hell. That's her nickname. You don't find that out for quite a while. Quite a while. <laughs> um, 
and nicknames are thrown in for all of the characters, I think, to build Mm -hmm. some sort of uh, familiarity or closeness with these characters that perhaps uh, these refugee-like characters do not have with their world at large. And I was generally okay with that. I I do what she does here a lot. I, I, I and I, I don't think it's meant to be a challenge to the reader and I, I don't well because I do it I guess. I don't think it's shitty writing. I think it's it's actually <laughs> you with me or you're not kind of situation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And 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 it's not necessarily like stay with me like a challenge or anything like that. But it's like this is how it's going. And a lot of times I was given pause when reading this to think and not to, to, to remind myself not to overthink because I was wondering, oh, is this sort of a meta kind of thing where we're meant to now be in in these shoes like holy? You know what I mean? Where where when you think of, um, you know, I just know speaking to my grandparents a lot who, who came from different countries and whatnot, like when you're living, especially in New York. So like my Italian or uh, Sicilian grandparents lived in the tenements in New York. So they ended up beginning to speak a Padua of Yiddish and Sicilian. And this really close proximity uh, and, and, and needing to develop groups, I started thinking of my son and what kids do. And you, that's when you get nicknames. And that's when you develop these groups within groups yep. and, and start to, you know, uh, almost develop your own culture. Um, and I think her goal of creating this museum dedicated to these people that were pushed in to another culture, you know, when we're thinking about that, it's it's um, it is a really fascinating thing because oftentimes you and especially in speaking to my grandparents, you were meant to lose your culture when you came here. Your name was changed on Ellis Island to fit a pronunciation that we could handle here. You, my grandmother had her earrings taken out when she was a, a young child and stuff like that. There's these things that happen for assimilation, and we see some of that happening here with how they're treated and whatnot. And so I did wonder with her use of language and these kinds of, of uh, you know, I wouldn't call them tricks, but like uh, techniques or whatever, uh, if she's really trying to get you in that mindset, that survivalist state of like, th- this is what you do when it's new, when you're, de- when you're making something, when you're creating it. I, um, I actually totally agree with that. I think that is 100% what the intention may have been. Yeah. She said may have been, there was a little bit of uh, the cadence. Yeah. Do we your, think uh... that, do we think that it was effective <laughs> or that, or that she executed it well, or was it clunky? What, what do you think? Um, <laughs> look, I, 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 I know how, listen, <laughs> I know how I would like, I, I had, uh, not a great experience with this book. Um, by all intents and purposes, this is a book that was basically ready made for me. It, exactly. You know, it was, it was, it's literary. It combines some really wild science fiction while not being science fiction. I mean, it has the, mm-hmm. the core concept. This is very much like this is very rooted in like the thing that you would put in the literature section in a Barnes and Noble. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, they would call this. Um, I'm seeing it being categorized as speculative. Speculative. Which, I would even call it like uh, what do they call it now? Uh, cross genre. Yeah. It's just a snobby way for people to say science fiction. Right. right? And, and it's like graphic novel. It's like anything. This is a science fiction yeah. book. It has a wild premise. It's based mm-hmm. on insane, 
wonderful quantum physics theories <laughs> that I I'm in love with. It's this is a book for me. I I could not bring myself to pick it up. Like I would read 20 pages at a time and put it down and say, great, I, I was on a roll. I really enjoyed those 20 pages. And then it would sit there for three days. And I'm like, ah, I don't want to do this. Why do you think? I don't know. I have to think, I have to think it was head, maybe the headspace I was in. I, we were reading this while we were preparing to go back to school and go back to work. And like my, yeah. my reading schedule got thrown off in a huge way. Yeah. So I, 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 Every time I did read it, I liked what I was reading, but I never wanted to pick it up again. There was, some, there was nothing magnetic. And yeah. so I, I feel similarly to you. It, this was also one for me. So maybe there's, there's something to follow here because I enjoyed it. I still like it. Truth be told, I still have about 50 pages to go. This week has been. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. I had to put it, I had to put it down. Yeah, I intend on finishing yeah. it, or at least asking you what happened. <laughs> I think that that is something to be said, though, because I, I felt similarly as well. And again, uh, all three of us are in the same boat in terms of like going back to school. We're going back, it, and and that stress is something that uh, just the the apprehension of that sits in the back of your head, and the things that usually bring you joy sometimes don't. Yeah, you know, and 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 the things that you you want to do, you you don't your brain doesn't let you think you have time for it and and so it shuts off and doesn't let you enjoy the thing yeah. so i think that might be part of it i also think it might be something to do with the writing i love when like in luster there are those moments of of of, of really uh, a depth right the, 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 she's pulling from the well something yeah. that, that 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 crystallizes and brings together uh, a, a moment and here you're much more moving in and this is what one of the big things I actually saw. One of the few things I looked up in preparation, I saw echo a sentiment that I had, which was or sentiment that I had was, um, I got this feeling that we were getting something of a mystery, mm-hmm. that it was almost a procedural kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like we're gonna get to a, to an end, and we're gonna figure out how the fuck this happened. And I was like, oh, that would be dope like you posit your answer dude go for it put it out there what you know how does this shit go down and um and and you you realize we we don't though right you don't yeah you don't um and the the end uh the book ends up much more being about dealing with this shit you can't change in this situation you're in that you really don't want to be in anymore which is the the plight of a refugee yeah you know you don't want to have left this thing you know well you don't want to leave home you don't want to not only have left home but have 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 lost these things that were so dear to you like this author there's a reason she holds on that author there's a reason mm-hmm. she doesn't want to be a doctor again and she wants to you know uh put together this museum and and whatnot um and i think that that's a very interesting thing it's relatively again you know i for me it felt in that meta way she's making the reader want answers that we'll never get, which is essentially the what happens to a lot of immigrants, refugees, things yeah. like that. Um, yeah. You know why you are in the place you're in because of this moment of urgency that forced you your hand to do it. Um, and it's almost this this fucked up thing of like you're lucky because you're not dead. But what really struck me uh, early in the book was this mention that parents of young children, even if chosen, like children couldn't go through the hole to this alternate 
universe, right? To, yeah. the, to this other New York. Was there a reasoning or it was just said that they couldn't? It just said that they couldn't, if I'm remembering okay. correctly, I think. But the parents of those young children, um, the vast majority of them chose not to go if the kids couldn't go. So they stayed and died with, with the kids. So, so the kids wouldn't be alone and stuff like that. Well, we don't, so we don't even know if people died in the alternate universe. We just know there was a nuclear holocaust coming, but... Yeah. I mean, you're right. I think you're that was... Right. We don't get confirmation, I don't yeah, think. Yeah, and I think that was a, um, <clears throat> a purposeful part of it, right? Because I mean, there's an inherent hope that the people you left behind do go on and, and live a full life without mm-hmm. you. Um, yeah, that yeah. it wasn't just uh, um, fuck. I was gonna say like Terminator or something, but but, uh, <laughs> but like but like you apply logic to it and you can say that definitely didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? But so, like that's the hope of this character, and like we said, this, again, this whole the, the narration was about intimacy with these people. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. about understanding them and, and feeling that plight of having your culture pulled from you. Yeah, there's there's this great line when hell. So, um, I, I was being a little um, I don't know uh, what's the word exaggerative, uh, hyperbolic. I, yes, That's there the were only one. about twenty. There's only about twenty pages I didn't read, but I did read the end. Like I read the last fifty pages. So I'm looking at my. So you but just have just, a chunk. <laughs> Right did you point like me to this book like you read the grapes of wrath backwards so you knew what they would talk about in class i just needed to know i just needed to know so here is one thing that um so one thing we didn't bring up is that the two people that come through that we are our main characters that we follow are hell helen and vikram helen's a doctor vikram is um like a professor of literature which is He's almost useless because the literature doesn't exist yeah. in this new world. Um, but <laughs> everyone was allowed to bring something through. It was almost like, you know, during like the Holocaust, like you got to get out, bring whatever you can, yeah. like yeah. pack up your apartment and, you know, to whatever minute. He brought all these books and the one book that and this is one thing I don't think that works with, with this novel. The one book that he brought through was called The Pyranauts mm-hmm. and the you know, at 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 K Chess's uh, whim, we are just shown here's excerpts from that book, mm-hmm. which, you know, it worked as a stronger um, device earlier on, but then it just it just became wearisome later on. Yeah. So I'm bringing this up because this book is a relic. There's only one of a kind, yeah. and anything from that world would be yeah one of a kind. Ha- yeah. Hell is trying to start this museum, and she meets this lady, um, Ayana, I think. Her last name's Donaldson. That's pretty much how she's referred to through most of the book, Donaldson. Donaldson's like, yeah, I'm going to help you out. She's like a, you know, a, a, a trendsetter, a scene shaker, whatever that type of, you know, a, a whatever um, person is. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what it's... <laughs> my voc- Fuck you, my vocabulary is gone. <laughs> If you, if you can't think of those dude. Then, uh, <laughs> yeah, you're <laughs> so Donaldson, she says to hell, you seem to have these two beliefs that are in fundamental conflict. Oh, that, every, this, yeah. that everything is worse here than it was where you came from and that everything's easier for us, that we're all soft and we don't know about danger. So which is it? Is everything worse here, or is it easier? Is it better there, or was it worse? And this, exclusive. this, these four lines are the crux of the book. 
Right. That, mm-hmm. that, that really, I think, if we want to just kind of boil it down into one thing, that's what this is exploring. Yeah, absolutely. Which, which again, is essentially the immigrant experience. Yes. Right? The refugee experience. And so it's with the science fiction lens and premise, it, for me, was a very... Um, I don't want to say trying, but it was a, for lack of a better word, strange thing to reconcile because anytime I've engaged with or encountered an uh, immigrant refugee story, stuff like this, it's always been very blunt and on the nose. And, and this is what it's about with the lens of, of this science fiction and this mysterious kind of element of like thinking that you're going to get the answers to these really big things. And perhaps it's because as I you know said in the beginning, I'm thinking about this a lot and I personally want the answers or to, to, mm-hmm. to kind of figure out how this could work or see someone else posit their way that this could work. Um, I was frustrated by that and felt like I was actually missing some of the like really core stuff with the the actual focus which was the immigrant experience and, and getting mm-hmm. you to sort of empathize with that and and do the tolstoy thing where you're meant to walk some miles in these fictional uh immigrant shoes and then feel for them you know yeah so it's you know when we think about at least me when i think of like immigrant stories and assimilation. I always go back to the first one that like, I remember being like, oh, this is really this thing. And that was uh, Jhumpa Lahiri's The um, what, Interpreter of Maladies, right? Yeah, well, that's her short story collection. Uh, then The Namesake does something very similar. That's her novel. Yeah. Um, I felt like that handled assimilation and immigration in such a different way. Uh, I don't want to say heavy-handed way, but in such a serious tone. And I'm wondering if some of that would have done uh, famous men who never lived a little bit of a, a little justice. That's, that's interesting because I thought the, the tone of this was dead serious, nonstop, humorless, uh, levity, less. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I just I couldn't like there's maybe I said maybe using the word serious wasn't the right one but but continue it just I couldn't there was it felt often like here is my idea for this book okay so that's exactly what I was just going to say this is here's here's my stories instead of sharing like a lived experience Uh I, well, I, that's what I was going to kind of say was, you know, when you're talking about Lahiri, she is is talking about the very specific, um, you know, experience of, of, of the Indian, you know, coming to uh, either Britain or America. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that is one that I think we have seen told before and are familiar with on a personal level in some way, um, yeah. because we know, I mean when when i saw that she was a medical doctor where she came from and mm-hmm. she was not practicing medicine here all that popped into my head was the stereotypical uh indian immigrant 
because the the India the 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 person from India who has a doctorate is literally a practicing doctor over there and has to come and sweep floors in America because their yeah. degree isn't recognized. I mean that's that's now a stereotype. That's a that's mm-hmm. a trope. And so when we when when I was thinking about uh, what you were saying there, um, with the here as the example, especially you know. Um, these Bengali families and then and then what they do I, I mean it's a great comparison because they they gather one another in the in the tri-state area and 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 have their own sort of little packs you know and and they 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 live in this way where they're creating nicknames and they're, and they're giving all the stuff that we're seeing happen here but this felt like we're more familiar with like Vonnegut. So we wanted some Vonnegut humor Mm -hmm. to, to sort of like make this palatable. And I think that's the thing is like, what are we given with the science fiction to digest it? What are we get like with Lahiri? You're given this real deep pain. I haven't read one Lahiri story or novel that I haven't cried really wept after reading or while reading. Yeah, um, she's really good at pulling you into that. um, I, I hate the words, but the human experience, she's really good at, wrapping you in that little cocoon yeah and and usually it's around family so it's something that Mm -hmm. you can you can really just just resonates um whether you've directly experienced what's in there or not you 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 live it um here and and then you think about vonnegut he does a little bit of both but he has that humor that lets you digest what you're reading and and understand it and, and and sort of make it palatable and so it's like uh, where's the spoonful of sugar to help the medicine go down kind yeah. of situation in this story. And that was the thing that, that if I was to be critical of it, um, I was, I was missing a bit coupled with the pump fake of it being a perceived mystery that you'd never get the answer to. Um, and, I, and I guess that's where I'm, I was landing with that is that it, uh, it presents itself as this, you know, I'm going to say serious work without actually, um, I don't know, I guess digging far enough. It's just like, oh, let me make up some shit. They're called, Nazis were called this in my timeline. Right. You know, and it's like, oh, oh, that guy's actually, got a swastika ooh, on his neck. I it's like, felt what is- so uncomfortable about that. Like, I don't, the, I had like a visceral reaction to um, that. Like the, the one character had the swastika the- tattooed on his neck. Because it's like a seventh grader wrote that though. It's like, oh, that actually means peace. Yeah, and, that, well, that's, and like... that's the thing. I was like, wait a minute. Like we all, everybody, everybody who tries to make a, 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 a fucking a case for a Nazi said, well, the swastika is not really what they said it meant. You know what I mean? Well, fuck but I you. Think that's, it's an, but that's angels and demons, though. Right? It is. It's a. It's an ancient. It's an ancient sort of symbol. You talk about. Uh, iconography right that's that's from thousands of years before the nazis existed you know in various cultures that aren't even near germany uh, so i, I think I, i'm not defending i'm not defending that at all <laughs> I, I was gonna agree and say okay what on earth has made this timeline that divergent right that mm-hmm. people are getting these things because yeah if the nazis were called something else if they existed in the timeline, because they did, they just yeah. were called something else. Yes. We don't, I mean, that's, it just seems like, again, like that, that for me was um, a point of where, where I thought, oh, if, if this kind of stuff is peppered throughout, that's not great writing because that is something you'd really see cool. in a, you'd, that's something you'd see in a student's yeah. work who just found that out. I yeah. just found out, and they're like, that's the fucking wildest thing I've yeah. ever heard in my life. Because if you drive around South Philly, there's swastikas in the brick. 
mm-hmm. right? And and because the house was made, you know, decades before that was a thing, and that was a that was just a, an icon from from all over the fucking world. Well, that, 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 that's a good point. That's a good point. My my I guess is I, I my science fiction hat could not justify <laughs> the fucking that. But you're right. Difference of a timeline right. in thirty years. Exactly. Not even. Exactly. Not even. But if they exist, the Nazis existed. They did what they did, right? And they were just called something different. Right. We, we, the 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 icon not being the thing, it's it's too ingrained. You can't. Right. And it, you know what I mean. You can't separate it. And the Nazis, even if the Nazis you're making also that point. used um, like Norwegian Norse mythology symbology for their shit too now if the if the hammer of thor became as prevalent a symbol as the yeah. swastika did stan lee would not have made thor a superhero there you go yeah that's a great that's you know a great saying? point yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely so so you, I, you, you I can't th- you can't people can only suspend their disbelief so far right yeah and if and, it was meaningful to the plot and the story that's a one-off Right, that's just a thing that's said. Unless I missed how it connects to the greater plot, it, it, it doesn't. That's the transcript because peppered throughout the uh, the book are these just interview transcripts. Yeah. Assuming it's it's when the um, UDPs, the universe displaced persons, like come mm-hmm. in and they got whatever debriefed or whatever. Yeah, which yeah. by the way I thought was really cool. I that's actually one of my favorite parts Mine of the book. Too. I would rather like I I, I <laughs> actually felt a kinship with those with those with the intention of that. Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm working on a thing that is like a <clears throat> eyewitness testimony type thing. So you're getting a bunch of different voices um, telling a little piece of a story from their perspective. I love that shit. Like a carry. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, like a you got FBI documents, exactly you got right. eyewitness accounts, you exactly got the first right. person. Narrative. That, I you mean, the... that is so it's so it's such an interesting way to tell a, a story. Even though it's been done to death, but every time I see it, I'm like, "Wow, that's really good." <laughs> yeah, I, and that's the thing. I, I always and I say this to my students too: like, just because you know a cool thing, you have to consider does it enhance the story, right? And and does it enhance the story enough to justify the cool thing? If the cool thing is is walking a razor thin line right. of something, whether it be yeah. sexual or, or whatever else, you know. Right. Um, Because they like to put in sexy stuff. So Um, I think I think it's a young writer thing. This is her debut novel. Um, I know certainly in my debut novel, I put things that I thought was like ah, because it's cool. Of course, I think that I pulled it off. You know, Um, as every writer does. I remember reading um, who was the big one we did in this cast. Um, Oh, Vampire Gideon. That thing was. I remember that. It's like, dude, that should have. How many you put those stuff in just because? You like that. You know, you wanted to show people that you like the thing. And I think in this book, Famous Men Who Never Lived, it's um, that is one of the weaker aspects of it. It, it, it does that seem... That there's these moments that don't enhance the plot enough and they're like, and look you, at this and it, cool thing. And, you, and it, we feel like it should, you know? I feel like it definitely should because that's one of the things that science fiction holds you to mm-hmm. is if you put something in there, it has to be a, a Lego Yes. It it can't be you know um, a, a fucking 
Lincoln Lodge chimney or something. I named something that's inconsequential. I don't know. <laughs> but like a Lego snaps in. It needs to be a part of the, the, the hole and it enhances the hole and, and yeah. makes it structurally and sound. Let's, and let's, let's say the truth. Science fiction's fucking hard. And, and often boring. Yeah. I mean, you can do science fiction really bad. And some of the best are some of the most boring, too. <laughs> you know, and I'm, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus or anything like that. But if you have you read the, the Mars trilogy, I didn't read the Mars read trilogy because I heard right? it was boring. <laughs> and it's it's regarded as like one of, if not the top, you know, best science fiction uh trilogies if not single pieces and it's the still i think the most realistic way to colonize mars like Mm. if you were to really do it you know um but again it's like the movie primer do you you, yeah if you want to know about time travel and the most realistic way to do it watch primer that um indie movie right Yeah. yeah i think the dude did it he was like an engineer or something he did it for like 15 grand nice and it's, I think, still the most realistic way. But, dude, I'll watch Back to the Future way more than I'll watch Primer. <laughs> that, I mean, it's... Even it's three. Even You know, three. as I get older, I love three more and more. It's the best one. More and more, I it love It is three. the best one. Get I'm going to say it a third so time. Three fucked. is the best one. Get so fucked. <laughs> You're telling me... Oh, Jesus Christ. Well, first of all... That, that train makes it up to that speed... With that much track, you're out of your goddamn fucking mind. Well, hold on a second. It's let's the, just, I mean, let's talk about suspension of disbelief here. We have a fucking DeLorean that runs, and we're complaining about a train. <laughs> it's good. Part, it's good. part three is the only where Marty grows. Where he grows? Yeah, as a, as a, as a character, as a person. Ah, uh, I see what you're saying. The Doc finds love. I do love Seamus Marty. You know what my it's got my, it's, my yeah. favorite is when uh, when Marty asks what'll happen to the train and Doc's like it'll be a spectacular wreck. Too bad nobody will <laughs> be around to see it. It's got a, the best dialogue. <laughs> All right, it's got it frisbees. <laughs> you what do you yell at, dude? <laughs> and manure. Um, well, back back to the story here. I think ultimately, there's I I don't know what more we can really say about it without giving spoilers or anything like that. There's really nothing to point. spoil, which is what maybe because it's mm. so plotless, it is difficult to talk about. And we're kind of lukewarm on it. Probably I'd say um, we're lukewarm on it half because of our current state of um, affairs, but also just, it's, it's like just a pretty good debut novel. It's not with a wild exceptional science fiction premise. Yeah. It's super, and I, this I think I saw a couple times when I looked up, you know, to see if there was an interviewer here. Because a lot of the a lot of the reviews were were pretty much the same, right? But one mm-hmm. word that kept coming up over and over again was ambitious, and, and I do think that it's 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 ambitious, and I I, I really I ambitious I know is I a liked word. it. What's that? I was gonna say ambitious is a is a is a, that's like a code word for saying you tried something that didn't quite work. Exactly, and 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 because it's a debut and not their third novel, I think that it, it, it warrants it's, mentioning because yeah. it it is something to to you know you know put your balls out there on the on the first one or what have you. you that is that's bold, you know, to do. Yeah. Um, and perhaps that's why you know a bigger press like Tin House picks it up and and does it. But I'd say Which sort of shocked me. T- Did it? Yeah, like Tin House doesn't 
I'm kind of surprised that they went with this one. Not that it's not mm. not um, deserving of being published. I think it is. It, but you don't think it's their their. I don't think it's uh, their bag. Bag, yeah. Well, they're expanding. I listen. I'm not going to knock KHS. I think that some of the writing is a little is a little clunky and too on the nose for me. There's other people that like maybe a casual reader, someone that's not as smart would. Uh, <laughs> when did you eat that thing? <laughs> uh, I, let me do the calculations. Um, no, so, uh, where's this, Doc when you need him? This is a very good book, and I am. I'm actually gonna. I'm gonna friend, not friend her, follow whatever I need to do on social media to. Um, you know, if she puts another one out, I'll check out some of her short stories. If this is how her mind yeah, that's works, a good that's a good yeah. point. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm on board, and um, I think yeah, I think I would concur yeah. with that. I, 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 it's fucking hard to write a book, guys. Really, we all know it's this. It's really hard, and it's and it's shitty to hear people talking poorly about it. And that, so, I hope she doesn't think I'm a nightmare of a person because she did follow me back on Twitter, and I really appreciate. Oh shit. That. Um, <laughs> But it's like, you know, I, 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 I will, I love this concept. This concept is my shit. I will probably pick up another book. And again, we're going back into COVID land a month ago when we were supposed to start to read this. So, yeah. Right. I, yeah. I mean, ultimately, again, I'm with you on that where this was, uh, you know, I was in, in my, in my head about this type thing to see it executed and the unique way that she approached it. I think ultimately what was missing for me was just that layer to enhance and, and be able to, to palette the story, right? Yeah. What Vonnegut has his humor. Um, Lahiri has her pathos. And, and I think K chess with it being a debate, a debut novel, um, was figuring out what that thing was. And I think what it could have been for me, and I'm not saying if I was writing this, but if, if I, as a reader was to find a way to really latch on would have been to see more of that community aspect mm -hmm. of the, um, the, the immigrants, the refugees, the, uh, uh, UDPs, um, being developed and, and, and how that sort of like almost subculture, is is created and, and almost perhaps rises a little bit more yeah. you know just uh, uh, a little bit of that grassroots type stuff happening because it's it's super interesting also to know that the that hell's a doctor and that not play as significant a role as i was expecting as well in yeah. getting or trying to get what she wants well it's the things you leave behind right what are you going yes. to take with you? She didn't. Mm -hmm. So she didn't choose. Let me bring my profession with me. That's just a thing she is, right? Mm -hmm. What did she even bring? I don't think she brought anything. She just it was like times up. She just like went yeah. right. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's why she's so ravenously went right. But I think that's why she went so almost nuts to get the book back to get the museum running. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. like yeah. it was Vikram's book. Yeah. Yep. And right when right when she said she was going to take that, um, take the copy, I was like, that should be behind glass. I don't know what you're thinking. <laughs> Who would care though? What did we put? 
you know, but, our but ancestors. It, but didn't it have like this weight? It had this gravitas to it. As presented in this novel, as, yeah, as from the from the gate, um, and I was like, uh, and yeah, some telegraph passes there. I think you know too might, might have been uh, enhancing the mystery a little bit. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I don't. It, it was a it was a solid one, um, and and just had these things that, I, like you said, I'm interesting to see how KHS, you know, develops, and then and then what she sort of like when she's in her, her, her wheelhouse, you know, what, what, what kind of thing she's, she's going to put out there because I think it was really fascinating to see, especially cause I just finished reading Lahiri's the namesake, like oh, wow. three weeks ago. Uh, I do it with the AP every yeah, year. I was just going to ask if you're teaching that. Yeah, yeah. Why else, why else would you read that again? <laughs> <laughs> to cry. You need a good cry every <laughs> once in a while, dude. Um, yeah. to, to revisit my good friend Gogol. Um, but yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree with that for sure. Yeah. Final thoughts. That was mine. I'm going to, I'm tapping myself out there. All right. Um, I am on board these middle 20 pages. I'm going to eat later on. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I (sighs) literally because of the brownie. (laughs) I I think so. Um, (laughs) the, I get, the, I get the word ambition stuck in my head now. The scope that K. Chess was trying to lasso, um, you know, you don't, you don't get it all. You can't. Who could? Right. You know, right? Like someone that's like a master could, and it's not a dig to say that she's not a master. Well, maybe that was the yeah. thing. Perhaps, perhaps limiting the scope of the, of the story would have gotten us more. Or would have gotten us closer to the characters, right? If it was maybe you know like a novella length, maybe it's what's it almost? It's three hundred and uh, fifteen pages. You know, what if it was two fifteen? You know, yeah. I don't know. More don't episodic, know. yeah. Uh, so I'll say a couple things about this book that that were positive for me because that's the thing I try and take away from everything that I do, and that's why I get bagged on for liking so much stuff. <laughs> can I steal? Can I steal a little bit of that magic? I want to. I want to add sure. a thing before you go. Um, I because Nick said the word episodes, and that's the one thing I I really loved that I saw a lot of people hated on is I love the episodic nature of it. Yeah. So okay. I, I kind of always like that, but yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, as you as you as you were, uh, dude. Thank you, dude. Uh, <laughs> um, this book put me in a headspace to write which is great that's i mean that's your review that's a good compliment i mean it was a thing i was like wow this is something that i really think is a good way to do it and i'm gonna give it a shot um i think the premise was wonderful and perhaps i was not in the proper headspace to appreciate it at the time and i plan to return to it one day there should be like a sticker on it that says do not read if you are changing everything about how you do your job for the third time within 14 months (laughs) probably probably (laughs) and and this ps that the third time is is going to be the hardest and you're going to do everything and and i'll be honest with you i haven't been able to so much as pick up a comic book much less, much less think about reading a full-length novel. You know. Yeah. yeah. You did it though. You did it though. Almost. Yeah. 
So. Yeah, I mean, that it is interesting that we don't have a control. It would have been great if one of us wasn't a fucking teacher doing the exact same yeah, thing. Yeah, right? Uh, we, don't, we don't have any control because we did have very similar experiences in terms of like how few pages we could read in a sitting yeah. and going back to it being difficult. So it, it is interesting to, to see like if somebody wasn't in our exact same fucking shoes, <laughs> what, what yeah, it would have been like, you know, this, 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 um, positive yet lukewarm review yeah. is, uh, needs an asterisk. Yeah. And I, and I, and I do hope, and like, I, big I, ass know, I know as, I mean, I, I have no problem shitting on like, uh, a, a book that is written by, uh, a, book, a guy who made a billion dollars off of a book. I have no problem with it. I, I do. It does upset me when I know that KHS is debut novel. She's doing the work like we are. Um, and she's had this success. And I do not. Uh, I don't like it. I don't like to say negative things, especially when you, you see it being done like the way she did it. Um, yeah. So I do hope if she listens that she can appreciate at least that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I don't, uh, what did you even say? Yeah, you, I, I just think, I don't I, I I don't like to <laughs> I don't like to talk this way about somebody I can relate with as a writer and as a human. Like I can't relate to a Michael Crichton, but yeah. I will say nasty things about a book that I don't like. Sure. Yeah, Crichton's dead though, so leave him alone. <laughs> That's true. And I like most of his oh. shit anyway, so I guess my point. Is- <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say you're the one picking Crichton the first yeah. to read. <laughs> like I'm thinking about rereading Sphere to watch the show. <laughs> uh, All we have right. a record. We have a record, yeah, right? <laughs> yes. Let's jump in. So, uh, POS 2012 album. We don't even live here. Um, this is a fucking banger. I fucking love this album. Nice. Uh, mostly because I'm a big fan of synthesizers and dance music. And uh, this, uh, I think, is uh, at least 20% of each. <laughs> um, and then the remaining 60 is just, you know, straight um, hip-hop, which is really fascinating because for a hip-hop album from 2012, a lot of the lyrical content would be and could be relevant in 2021 mm-hmm. so 10 years just about 10 years later illuminati motherfucker <laughs> but but 2012 like, is just 2021 with the digits all turned around Brown, he's really hitting them <laughs> <laughs> yeah he just came out like a spider um but but i thought like i forget what the song title was now but uh about the protests and stuff like that and and different things where um just remembering trying to put myself back in that year and, and, and where they were, it's like pretty, you know, some soothsayer shit right there. It's pretty cool. So why'd you pick it? So, uh, my original pick for this, this, um, this book was going to be, uh, Polyphia, which is instrumental jazz metal dance type of thing, because it sounds very futuristic. And I was like, Oh, this is a science fiction book. So we're going to give, maybe I'll try and soundtrack it. Um, sure. And then I started reading the book. I was like, Oh God, no, I can't. This is going to, this is not going to work for this. Um, and I remembered back to POS and, and POS is, is my favorite rapper. And this album is all about that outsider vibe. Yeah. You know, being yep. on the, um, on the margins and fucking owning it. Not just like, yeah. you know, not just be like, all right, 
I, I need to break into this. It's like, you know what? You don't want me? Fuck you. I'll do it better. Yeah. Um, like like Ron Funches in, uh, as a stand-up comedian. I never – actually, the only I've only seen Ron Funches on uh, the Blockbuster documentary. So, oh. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, no, he's he's very much owns being an outsider culturally in in stand up, yeah. all that stuff. So I've just been watching him a lot recently. I think that's why um, I made that connection. But continue. Yeah, yeah. And that's what makes POS so cool. So POS, he grew up in Minnesota. He didn't really listen to Matt rap um, for most of his life. He was a punk drummer. He was in punk bands. Um, and then he fell in love with. Um, who's the Philly rapper? Fuck. Um, G Love. No. G Love. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, or do you mean the special sauce? Ah, uh, you know what? Forget it. I'm not even. We're gonna. We're getting too deep. Anyway, he fell in love with rap based on a Philly rapper, and G Love is who he's referencing. Listeners. He started his. <laughs> essentially, he and his friends began a rap collective called Doom Tree, um, and they started putting out their own records. And then they hooked up with Rhyme Sayers, which is uh, Atmosphere. Um, and that's where it is. And it's like, it's grassroots. It's, it's punk. It's fucking great. And every album, there's some solid, uh, when there's a, when there's acoustic drums, they're good. Oh yeah. I mean, bumper. I mean, the drums are good, but when, but when there's the, the, some of that, uh, on a few of the tracks, maybe half the tracks, when that comes in, you're like, Oh shit. You You can always tell, right? Oh yeah. That first track bumper, just with that, like, that song gets me so fucking hyped up. <laughs> it's like, well, I think that's why it's called. Yeah, that. right. It's is that the title? Is, is that the first it's track? The first track. Yeah. That well, followed like, by the second one, whatever that's called. <laughs> were so great. The, the 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 first track is followed by a second one. Daniel, you are on it. <laughs> Just fucking. I, I'm, shit. What I'm saying is that the first track Just followed by shit. whatever the second one is called is a great opening up. I agree. Yeah, they they know how to put together a track list. Jesus. High, high compliment, dude. <laughs> Jesus. It's called Christ. talking about the <laughs> talking about the songs, motherfucker. Jesus. No, I, uh, I. Well, he references Minnesota a few times, yeah. but it's I. I was I didn't do um, a bunch of background because I knew you were gonna, you know, tell us in the beginning, and I frankly wanted the surprise of, you know, being right and that being the case because I was like, I bet this dude like got into it late and has a background in this other music. Yeah. Cause you can hear it. You can literally hear it. It is so fucking tangible yeah. in, in just about every one of the tracks, even when there's these guesting rappers on yeah. and stuff like that. Like there's, um, I mean, there's just so, so many, but for me, it reminded me a ton of Aesop rock mm-hmm. and, um, and, uh, uh dead Prez. I, I like, put Aesop Rock very much in the same category of, of of style of rap. The live drum samples, the same, but like with Dead Prez, that counterculture outsider art kind of situation um, with the lyrics, I thought was just really yeah. just so so on point with these guys. Um, but yeah, it's 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 absolutely fantastic, and half the songs are straight dance like dance songs, but not. Not like driving bass, fucking CNC Music Factory dance song. It's like, um, oh, what? Like, like some CNC outcast. Music Factory is your point of reference? Because that's just like the danciest dance in my All head, right? right? All right. Um, like Labouche or something. Uh, 
<laughs> another night, another dream, but always you. But I um, love that. when I'm thinking, <laughs> <laughs> when when I'm thinking about some of these, maybe like like an Outcast would be a great example because there's some Outcast songs that are just like straight up dance numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and yeah, there's he has a few of those on on here, but they still got that grit that you're like, oh, this isn't. You're not gonna this this isn't gonna be really played at the club or anything like right. that. And if it yeah. is, it's a pretty fucking cool club. Like, that's a club <laughs> I'd like to go to. Do you, you guys know? know the band Ruckus? I do not. Why do I know that? Because you're, I don't you're know why a I know learned, that. cultured individual. <laughs> <laughs> because you're smart like Daniel. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're both. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I haven't heard that voice before. That was good. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but is that what your your point of reference was? Yeah, they they sound a lot like Ruckus, but Ruckus was the first type of music. Not I said their music's a little bit different, but that grit you were mentioning, it's mm. it, it's all like live instruments, and it's yep. playing this type of music, at least to my white ears, that I've only heard, <laughs> you know, like program drums or sample drums. Yeah. So when you hear live instruments, I remember when DMX played. Um, oh, R.I.P. DMX. Yeah. By the way, blowing mm. out. When he was, I think, on Saturday Night <laughs> Live or or some night show, just pour, poured out on my rug. Fucking <laughs> 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 um, cat comes over. You're like, oh. Yeah. That cat is drunk <laughs> as shit. Cat like cat likes DMX. Um, yeah. He had a live backing band, and that's the first time that I was like, oh. Rap slash hip hop can have a live backing band, and holy oh, shit, did that sound so fucking like just in your face and, and in a very good way. And I'm dude. getting that from Ruckus, and then this. Yeah, it was it was good. I was actually, frankly, I was surprised that that this came from Gregorio. When I put it on, I was like, this has got to be a mistake. <laughs> well, he did. He he pivoted and, and made the change, and I was like, I was like, ooh, what's happening yeah. here? This is gonna be interesting. Um, but yeah, dude, fucking when I ran the drum line over at Alni, we did DMX and it was awesome. <laughs> and songs like and that. Intense, like, I imagine. Yeah, dude. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was, uh, up in here, up in here. <laughs> so, was, I mean, this doesn't sound like DMX, but that was just, yeah. yeah. Talking about the live performance. Yeah. Um, but the but when you have that, I thought you were talking about that grit. Like when yeah, you yeah, have yeah. that that kind of stuff dude going is, on there. Dude is pissed mm-hmm. on this record, and like, but not misogynist or homophobic like DMX. You know? Well, you know what? Yeah. What's so cool about about POS, which it, it's either he he says it's either pissed off Safan or piece of shit. It depends on how you feel. Um, and he, well, is that like Stephen and Stefan or Kel? Well, his name is Stefan. <laughs> yeah, his name is Stefan. Yeah. But um, go ahead, Daniel. Yeah. Uh, well, you said depending on how you yeah. feel. Um, I think the general feel right now is that, and I'll, just for a larger conversation, um, that dude got like canceled a couple of years ago, or he got me too, or canceled, whatever. Whatever he did, a lot of people, women, came out and were like, "Yeah, you are, um, you are not awesome to us." Who did that? Stefan. This guy? Yeah, dude. I was, I was re- trying to read some, some um, history on these, these guys, and, and it turned out it was like, well, it's just this guy. So I'm reading these hard. I was like, holy shit! And he like owned it. He owned it. He came out. He had this whole fucking. Was thing it like and, an Aziz Ansari situation, or was it, was it a little? Bit- <clears throat> I didn't, I didn't get so far as to see specifics. Okay. 
God, I hadn't even heard but, of that. That's in, that's wild. I know. Yeah. So, uh, and the reason I wasn't even going to bring it up, at least till the end. But Nick said, you know, he was the massage like DMX, but without the misogyny. And it's like, well, well yeah, <laughs> may, little. Well, perhaps little we should did, just say lyrically. Um, because that's what I was yeah. talking about. Yeah, like in the lyrics, yeah. I didn't get that overtness. But yeah, perhaps that's like uh, in, in his personal life, that's what's going yeah. on. Yeah. Like ly- lyrically, true. he's he's funny too. Like he he's got some some quips in there that that just really can make you laugh whilst dancing <laughs> in your vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So that so what what the other reason I brought that up is I wanted to kind of steer it into this idea of. The, the kind of cliche conversation of can you separate an art from an artist and I mean you're going to make up your own your own mind on that and how you and it probably there's a scale depending on how much you like the artist um, or yeah. the art from the artist but this music is kind of playful lyrically in some instances it's like wait a minute so this guy's just like a person he contains a lot of different things and one of those things is being young and successful and you know, doing the things that young, I don't want to say, I'm not trying to apologize. Um, you guys understand what I'm saying? Maybe you can finish my thought. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think... He's our, a, he was just a human going through a new experience, and he's under a microscope. And people now can come out and say, oh, you treated me badly. And he's like, fuck, I did. And you think about our own lives, we have treated people badly as well. So, yes. And then yes, we can... I, t- I, I do understand what, what you're saying there. And it's interesting because Michael Dyson recently had that talk at the free library. Right. Ah. And he addresses exactly this. He, his new book uh, is in part about cancel culture and these different things that are, that are happening here. And of course, you know, misogyny is sexism and, 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 and abuse and, and things like that are, 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 shouldn't be tolerated. They shouldn't exist. Um, but I think to, to your point, what you're saying is um, to, to damn a, a, a person for like their their passings if they are genuinely uh, uh, apologetic and recognize it and 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 you know we look at the and that's how he seemed case by w- case w- as well so. yeah I, I, you know basis and things like that um, it was interesting to see someone like Dyson talking about that because he canceled Bill Cosby like out of the gate years and years and years ago. Mm-hmm. But before all the allegations came out, he canceled them for abandoning uh. the African-American community. Um, and I remember hearing talks with him about that. And, and, and he, he didn't necessarily cancel them in the way that we're talking about it now, but yeah. he, he did have very strong opinions on that. And so to see him talking about this and write this book on this now was very interesting because the, the point that he made is that to do that, you literally deny a human the human right to grow and you know and and that is and should be a human right like imagine you know there's there's uh, uh children who are absolute assholes right but who mm-hmm. do we look to usually the parents right what have they what, what have they done or not done to enable an environment that would produce the, this child and then where do we draw the line um where we say we don't give a shit if you grow anymore you're done yeah your 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 humanity has been revoked essentially, and of I course, think when, when you like you actually hurt people, probably I think, and that's the thing is like it, it it is one of those things where like yeah, there are lines that do need to be drawn, and we see them as laws, and we see them as these as these different things. But when we're talking about um, art, like do you still own your Thriller album? Yeah, I I I, yeah. I have I have I am become I've become so close 
to toss it in the garbage, and I haven't done it yet. And I need to. I know I need to. But at the same time, it is it is a, it is a tough thing thing to do. And um, and yeah, it's 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 strange to try and really qualify how and when and where you draw that line. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a you know, like you said, I've done shitty things. I've had shitty things done to me. Um, but I think there is a line that the majority of people don't and won't cross. And then there's folks that have crossed it and, and revel in it too. There, there's that too. Like, do you want to grow genuinely? Right. Like, are you, right. you know, who, who are you really? Right. Uh, and, and that changes things drastically. And I don't, I don't know what POS did. I, I did not, this is the first I'm hearing of this, uh, what I what I understand, what I know this music did for me was link my favorite thing musically on earth with a genre before 2009, 2008, I didn't listen to. And that's a pretty significant thing. Like I wasn't into, into rap. I liked rap songs. I liked, um, I liked outcast back in the day. But mm-hmm. this linked punk rock with rap, and it gave me that connection. And that's important to me. It, 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 that helped me grow. This music got me to be where I am today. Yeah. Yeah, more of a, more of a, uh, a world citizen. Yeah. You know. so one of the other reasons I brought, I brought it up was, and we got there, gentlemen, I led you here, <laughs> is that... You're so <laughs> smart. Spartacus. You're so smart. <laughs> yeah. um, can you call me Sketch from now on? That would Sketch. much appreciated. Um, <laughs> thanks, he gets it. All right. This guy. Yeah. Um, fuck. <laughs> I'm sidetracked. Um, this talk about POS, uh, Stefan, he's creating art. And if we were looking through this lens of just a person, right, being afforded this opportunity to grow, we can we can really tag this to famous men who never lived as well. It's about humanity, like at its core, right? Absolutely. It's, a, it's about just and you know Stefan. He's he's just an artist doing whatever. You know, he's just living, and uh, and famous men who never lived. It, I think it, it casts a little bit of reflection on just like humans. I guess just like walking around humaning in <laughs> all of their beauty and 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 failings as well. Um, but also how we treat one another. You know yes, what I mean? like, and how do you deal with it, and how are you treated? Yeah. Yeah. Like, do you let things, do you become jaded? At what point do you, you know, do you, are you able to let things go? I mean, I, that's what I was going to, you know, cause it, there, there is a lot of like anger lyrically throughout the album. And like, it seems that, you know, his coping mechanism is to imbue that with some humor. And, and, you know, when you look at like, um, uh, what's a great example, a Kurt Cobain lyric for instance, mm-hmm. right? He says something genuine, serious, and heartfelt, and then immediately mocks it in the next line. Well, that's right? a 90s Generation X trope, right? It, it, absolutely, it absolutely is. But I think when we're talking about what's he, where is he doing it, he's not doing it in conversation. He's doing it in his art. Um, and and that is, that's something that like is you know twofold the way he's dealing with 
all this this pain and 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 the reality of living um and what do we make you know what i mean and and what do we call it and and that that i think definitely i'd agree links these things pretty pretty significantly Absolutely. Yeah. I, Good night, everybody. I love the album, though. <laughs> I do. I, I, I love this album. I was, I was blasting it. And um, it was really funny because I was blasting it in the parking lot, um, you know, in the morning going into school and then leaving. And I'm going through, you know, Southwest Philadelphia. And there's many sounds coming out of many different cars. And there were a few times where, like, you could literally hear other music being turned down when I would pull up next to somebody yeah. to like check out like what is this motherfucker listening to? Why um, why is he standing there with, with a jean jacket with his collar popped up? <laughs> why isn't he wearing a shirt beneath the jean yeah. jacket? I'm just walking down the street. I chose to walk to school that day. I will say if you if you're if you like this album, um, the one previous called Never Better is a cleaner sounding album. Um, it's also much longer and, um, much more electronic in terms of the beats. Um, okay. the one after this called chill dummy is it's, it's, it's a challenge to listen to. Like he took this experimentation of all the sounds that are in this record to the next level, which makes it holy moly. The first time I threw, I was like, this is almost unlistenable wild well there's the one track on this where he's hitting these like really really just striking these triplets on the 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 um the synth that don't seem to go with the flow whatsoever and then it comes around it's not even like it's in like you know uh seven eight time or anything it's just like it doesn't really come around but once you lock into it um it's just a really sweet syncopation and and uh yeah, no, I, I really, I really dug it. He's playing with, and, and that was the thing. He's playing with rhythm a ton, and he's a fucking drummer, so it makes perfect yeah. sense. And on Never Better, the previous album, the previous singer from Kid Dynamite guests on that album, and it is vicious. Vicious. <laughs> vicious. Nice. So, yeah, my, my, my closing would be like, this is very strong lyrically and very, very strong musically. Um, I thought I thought it was a, a a great album. I'm gonna throw my um, playlist out because uh, that's just how I feel about it. Hey, that's good, right, Daniel? I'm sorry, what? That's <laughs> 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 um, no, kidding, because Nick, you said um, you were gonna throw your Thriller record out because of of Michael Jackson. Yeah. I was right. I don't have a physical copy. It's on a playlist. That's, I see. I see. Yeah. Yes. It's a picture disc. Too, yeah. which is why i'm like <laughs> oh, i've well, been so that. hesitant it's almost like uh like i would put it in a frame and not listen to it. like that's almost my that's almost where i'm at as far as the compromise just, it's just like putting just it behind glass and not listening to it but then you're like now you're putting it on your wall like it's almost better to just be in the sleeve and right. yeah fucking, yeah every once in a while you, you, what's the alternative like put it in the closet with your other you know pedo memorabilia right yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> you, you just and that's the thing. It's like if you play it, people are gonna be like, "Ooh, you got that? You still have this?" Oh, you know? check out these other ones. <laughs> yeah. I have a whole. Have you listened to Adam? Ant? Have you seen my Pedo <laughs> memorabilia case? Are you familiar with any of Roman Polanski's movies? 
Yeah, it's like it's, you can't. We'll, we'll catch all that after we watch the uh, Woody Allen Uva. <laughs> God, we've crossed the threshold we've, here. We, we, so now we've noted it. Yeah, we've gone too far. Um, shall we up. jump into the brewers? Let's do yeah. it. Oh, yes. All right. So all right. I am going to be drinking the Golden Drock. As will I. Product Continue drinking. Yeah, this is uh, this is ten point five percent. Holy Christ! It is. Um, yeah, this was brewed a couple years ago too. Ooh. This is from. Ooh, wow. This is from twenty nineteen. Yeah, tank six is I think where our came from. Yeah. So interestingly, this looks like it's the same. Um, brewery. But I could be mistaken as um, uh, uh, Duval. Yes. So, okay. um, well, no, I don't know if for for sure if it's Duval, but this brewery Van Steenberg, they're like a big, uh, I guess, hub for a lot of mm. a lot of brands. I, I kinda... But the bottles are like very similar. But I think that's just like a Belgian a Belgian thing. Yeah, but like the Seif bottle used to be exactly like this too. Yeah, I think that's that's a Belgian thing, but the head on this is ridiculous. Oh, it's so good, Nick uh, Gregorio. What are you drinking? I am drinking uh, Workhorse Brewing Company's Belgian Triple. Uh, Workhorse is in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. This is an eight point five percent ABV, and on the oh, that pussy beer, eight point five percent. Come on, <laughs> dude. Jesus, uh, who the fuck are you, dude? <laughs> Timeline, are you in, baby? <laughs> We're double digits. Triples are 10 5 over here. <laughs> um, and this, so Workhorse um, put out. What kind of timeline are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, Workhorse put out uh, many new beers that they hadn't done before over during the pandemic, and like six of which came out in the last three months. Um, and the Belgian Triple was one of them. And this is by far the best new beer that they've done. It's it's very akin to the Fay. If you've had that, it's nutty, it caramely. Oh. Um, and that is quite Fay. It is um, <laughs> spicy. Yeah. Okay. Let me give. I have, I have a question like for nutmeg you. Nutmeg or what? Yeah. I, I always get a nutmeg. Like yeah. like they just took the nut and grated it over your beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that nutty, that really nutty flavor that you get in this is is a delight. That shit's effervescent. Yeah, I was going to ask you, Nick um, Gregorio, are you well versed in tripels? I am not. Um, I. How many do you say you've had over the course of your life? Maybe five. Okay. Maybe. I I've had a I've had a bunch because i've had some buddies who you would get to a certain point in the night and they were like i'm not fucking paying for six coors lights right now we're gonna get one really heavy beer and it's we're we're gonna fucking put ourselves over the edge (laughs) i I mean that's just that's (laughs) happened so many times i don't remember any of them but i always remember that taste because it (laughs) hits you in the mandibles man like it 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 gets you salivating because it's it's got whatever in it that just rocks you. It's probably the malt, right? It, it's that that just that's, yeah. that sweetness that just rocks you in the mandibles. And I, whenever I taste these, I I I taste like 
1 a.m. at like eulogy or something where you yeah. just ordered something crazy as fuck or the uh, what's that there's that other bar that was like uh, similar to a eulogy where you could get any beer you wanted but it was down in what i guess is called like new bold or whatever now but it was uh, around that area monks wait where's new bold what are you talking about yeah new bold's like by uh um the university city or no uh Hospital, graduate hospital area, but a little oh, bit yeah. south of that. In any case, it's about like Ten Stone, but further south. So l- let me do a little bit of trivia for you guys. Let's do it. When do you think the Trapel uh, first appeared? After the Abbey Double. I need a year. I'm looking for a year. <laughs> Jesus. Twelve sixty-nine. All right. Ten ninety-five. You guys are both so wrong. It was 1930 in the <laughs> 1930s. Are you kidding Get me? Though, what about that? Here. Frank, it was Frank after... and Frank and fucking Weiss and Wesley Wesley was beer. Well, that that's a wheat beer. The, um, but the monks were doing shit like this way listen, back in the day, bro. Listen, listen, bro. Fucking schmeezed before they go do their prayers. <laughs> <laughs> listen, they were probably just strong ales or maybe doubles. I'm reading right from Wikipedia. I'll Abby check Dubles, my sources yeah. later. Hey Daniel, what do you, do you uh, want to donate to Wikipedia? Um, no, I, I did already. Should but if, listener? Uh, they, well, they should if like they want, but if they don't, then they fucking shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the old. name the name Trippel first appeared in the brewery West Mall in the 1930s. It was used to name their new beer since they started using a tripled amount of ingredients as before. So I wanted to get to that because you said that malt hit you in the old mandibles. True. Take a look at the uh, the third image. Yes. How much malt does it have? Uh, it has. Well, it just says secondary fermentation. No. Nope, oh, contains going. three times more malt than a lager. Yeah. So not an not an exact science here, but there's right. three times than. Whatever your standard lager. Yeah, so you are your mandibles are rocking. You're, you're getting malty with this shit. Yeah. So that's so, <laughs> so Gregorio, you're drinking <laughs> you're drinking the workhorse. Yes, sir. Um and you're getting that nutmeggy mm-hmm. kind of little kick. Yep. And I'm getting pretty drunk because <laughs> it's uh it's pretty heavy. Yeah. So these these are usually dark, right? They're yeah. This is actually sort of light. A golden. Oh, nice. Yours is very golden. Yes. Now, let me let me ask you this. Here's a, I, I don't know the answer to this trivia, so I guess it's not really trivia, but is there a preferred... Isn't the chalice the preferred glass for a um, Abbey Doobie and a Trapel? I believe so, because there happens to be a chalice on the can. The chalice is for a double, and I thought the um, whatever you would call this glass, like the the fat tulip glass, is for the triples. Fortunately, oh, I drank a, I drank one of these last night in my last tulip glass. <laughs> nice. Oh, you only, you have one left. They keep breaking. Well, I have no, I have several, and I just use them to drink things this week. <laughs> ah, of course, this would be the week. One. I only have one. I have two from the Funkin' Sour Fest that are little chalices, and then I have. One, uh, what are these called? Would you call them tulip? A, a tulip or, or yeah, I guess tiku, if you will. Yeah, I have one of those. 
and I am I hardly ever use it because I'm always so afraid that it's gonna get. Busted. You know, my biggest problem with Teku glass is like I guess, I'm not gonna put that in the fucking dishwasher, but I also don't want to clean can't. it. So yeah, it's, it's, well, because they're not thick enough. They have that bend. Yeah, and that'll you know that'll you'll wind up with glass in 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 something you don't want glass in. Yeah, yeah. Can but, I reward? Can I reward our listener for uh, sticking with us this far? Oh yeah. All right. So. The best trapel in the world you're ever gonna have. It's only served in a couple of places. Uh, one of it's them is in Belgium. Serious. Well, it's, this is listen. This is come in. This is uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh come, come over here. This is serious. Come over here right now. <laughs> what tell you? If you find yourself in Bruges, which is in Belgium, you want to go to the main square. Uh, you want to keep the belfry on your right, and walk about. I don't know. 72 paces. As the crow flies? Yes. And there's a, on your right, there's an alley, which you'd walk past it a thousand times and miss <laughs> it if you weren't, if you weren't looking for it. You go down that alley and there's a spaghetti shop on the right down this alley. Don't be tempted. Be, if Listen, you don't go to Bruges down an alley for spaghetti. Maybe you do. I don't know. But you probably, it's not where you're probably going to get the best spaghetti. Pass past that and then there's these little steps that go up into a place called Degar D-E-G-A-R-R-E their house triple holy shit and Nick the reason that I bought this for us the Golden Drock is because that brewery makes the Degar oh wow and there's only like one place you can get it in the US or maybe it's expanded a little bit more but you could get it Teresa's on the main line and that was it they imported it like specially. Jesus, um, I in, in no way did I think that what you were saying was real, was serious <laughs> or real, serious <laughs> or real, or even remotely close to something. That I thought you were going to be. I thought it was a helpful, a long con in which you were going to mock the both of us savagely. No, no, I wanted to help you because you you've stuck with us this far. Yeah, both of you. Not, Who has stuck with this this cast longer than either of you? <laughs> Well, probably Eric, because Very both true. of you have missed a cast. So. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's true. He is he is he is the most constant beside yourself, which is amazing. Um, wow, man. Yeah, it, and it when you said uh, Belgium, that actually made me think of um, the Netherlands. Also has, I think that was almost exclusively. They have a fantastic beer selection. Isn't Belgium the, in the Netherlands? No. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Oh That's, Jesus! Yeah, <laughs> I just wanted to. But like, I, if you're in, I couldn't tell if you're in you Amsterdam, in this, in this, uh, <laughs> this like prime port city, um, dude, the 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 beers there are are fantastic, and it's just ripe with uh, triples and doubles. Mm. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, mm. absolutely wonderful. If you're if you find yourself in Amsterdam, and are walking across <laughs> a canal. <laughs> Um, mine's is gonna be incredibly ambiguous. Like you could find yeah. it anywhere. Like you, you, you turn around anywhere in Amsterdam and find yourself yeah. in this position. Uh, but I will say this, it, it, dear listener, there is a bar right next to um, Harry Van Gestel's uh, art gallery that is um, so gorgeous because it is surrounded by floating gardens. And I found that particular bridge over the canal to be the most beautiful for a sunset enjoy a triple i don't know if it'll be the best in the world 
But uh, if you want to be a classist, listen to Daniel. If you want to have a good time, listen to me. Dear, dear listener, dare I say, <laughs> if wandering about suburban Pennsylvania, do yourself a favor. Drive past the strip mall. Head through the office park. And make a right into the industrial complex. And you will find a brewery. And in that brewery, you will find a Belgian triple. (laughs) And I'll be sitting in the parking lot because it's still COVID. Bitch, stay outside. (laughs) You're going to see a guy with his legs crossed and uh, an array of empty tulip glasses in front of him. He's got a long white beard. Famous men who never lived open to page five (laughs) trying to make it through. Nick, is that you? I had too much to drink. (laughs) I've started again. (laughs) I forgot where I was. Um, I think it's time to uh, wrap this segment up and get into our ratings. Absolutely. This is a delicious beer. I will say, um, after the head is gone, the sweetness uh, starts to give way to a little bit of bitterness with this guy, the golden rock. It there is there is a lot of stuff happening. It's like it's candied almost, and I think mm. it's because it's like the it's a dark red triple instead of a golden triple. Usually they're the ones that I I really love are the golden ones, and you think that golden drock would be golden, but it's not. It's it's a dark red. Because <laughs> it's spelled like, well, it's yeah. spelt like the mustard. It's like golden. Like yeah, golden. it's not geo. I mean, this could this could mean like red drink <laughs> in whatever language this is. Yeah. <laughs> Probably Belgium. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you got? What is it? What's our rating? Or did you want us to give our final thoughts? Is that what you're saying? We just we both I, we both did. Now it's next oh, turn. Good for you. I love Workhorse Brewery. It's uh, my home base. Typically, you can find me there twice a week. <laughs> um, and their trip, their Belgian triple is um, a an absolute delight. Um, you know what I like too? Their their northeastern IPA, I think, is the one that I really Nick. Did. Their newest batch of that shit will knock your socks off. Really? Because I like that. I thought the West Coast was going to be great because of the hops. Obviously, yeah. if it's an IPA, but that North Ooh, that n- East is New so England, damn good. baby. New England, yeah. They 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 change. They tweak the recipe slightly, and that thing. I haven't been able to leave there without buying a four pack. I, Nor should uh, you. So. That's your final thought? Yes. Um, this is a, You love the brewery? I love the brewery. This is a very, 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 very good beer. It is not a beer to drink. Uh, many of. Many of. A, or quickly, a lot, yeah. like I did. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm a little swimmy over here. Nice. <laughs> All right, so rating system. All right, so, um, I'm pulling from Kay Chess. I just want to try to get in her head a little bit more. Um I am going to give... Well, the rating system is going to be out of nose hats because in this alternate universe, it was the fashion of the day to wear a little a little hat on your nose. <laughs> and they missed that. The UDPs, they just really... They wanted to have nose hats and it was just frowned upon. It was not fashionable. Wasn't there like weird shit about hats? Did I miss something in that book? There's a bunch of weird one-off things that like... It just makes people seem totally bizarre yeah okay so i give k chess's famous men who never lived um seven out of 
9.5 nose hats. <laughs> I give POS's, um, what's that album, whatever it's we called. We don't even live here. Right. Um, Jinx. I give that 8 out of 9.5 nose hats. And the Golden Drock, same, 8. 8 out of 9.5. Nose hats. They're little hats that you'd put in your nose so you don't get sunburn. <laughs> and they're not it's not just like a baller cap like you're probably thinking. It'd be it could be shaped like a cowboy hat if you wanted. Oh good. I'm I'm not gonna even get into the logistics of how it would be affixed to one space, so with a um, with a string. They go around okay. your ears like a pair of fucking weird glasses. Yeah. <laughs> Famous Men Who Never Lived by KHS. I am going to give uh, 7.5 out of 9.5 nose hats. I am going to give POS's We Don't Even Live Here 9 out of 9.5 nose hats. And I am going to give the Golden Drock a um, 7.5 out of 9.5 nose hats. Very good. Very good. I'm going to give uh, Famous Men Who Never Lived a 5 out of 9.5 nose hats. With hopes to read in a better state of mind. Um, I'm going to give POS a 9 out of 9.5 nose hats. And I'm going to give Workhorse Brewing Company's Belgian Triple an 8.5 out of 9.5 nose hats. Nicely done. Good stuff. Um, yeah, good picks, man. Thank you. I, I was... Uh, the book didn't... You know what? Let's just... Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is what the triples will do. This is This is... This is really, I think, such a great example of what the triples will do. Of Nick's picks. Nick's picks. <laughs> Nick's picks. But you keep saying it faster. It just sounds like I'm sending you photos of my penis. Anyway. <laughs> wow. Well, I guess that means I should tell you to follow us on social media. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash bookrecordbeerpodcast. We're on Twitter at bookrecordbeer and on Instagram at book.record.beer. Remember, you can listen to us on SoundCloud and or Apple Music. Or through your mama's AirPods. Yep, that'll be it. Uh, Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time, folks. Support independent music and independent bookstores and independent... (laughs) Why the yay?